You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Yachtson Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. You have made it to the final podcast of our spring series position previews. Uh, we are discussing the cornerbacks on this podcast. Um, welcome to the final show of this series because uh, in a couple of days, spring football starts. We're going to still roll out with more spring coverage. Uh, before it starts, we'll have a mailbag. We'll also discuss some more topics going into spring football. But this is our day to, to look at the cornerback position group and one in which um, guys, there's there's going to be a lot that that's changes with this unit. Um, we've seen some starters transfer out. We've seen a starter go pro. Uh, we've seen recently in the last couple of days uh, a four-star young player transfer out of the program. We've seen transfers in. Uh, it's a position group that certainly has plenty of talent. It's a it's a team that doesn't really matter who the head coach is, what the defensive scheme is. They produce NFL players at this position. Uh, I, I think that will be the expectation for this group. Maybe not necessarily this season, but down the road as well. Yeah. I think if we were to have done this exercise in right, right before, maybe like in mid December, we'd probably be talking about, Hey, DJ James is going to be your, your go-to corner. He's going to be the best corner on the team. And, and frankly, I thought a year ago, maybe, was already. Um, I mean, I think he and Mikhail Wright probably were pretty close to even, especially the last half of the year when DJ was able to, I think, kind of improve upon what was a slow start, obviously, for reasons that aren't the most savory. Um, believe it that. But, you know, now here where we are, it's a totally different look. And it's kind of interesting parsing through this because there's basically no one with starting experience back. Yeah. Um, and it's a group where I think you've got a lot of high-end prospects i mean like i'll run through it in a moment here and i'll then toss it to jared as we've been accustomed to and he can go through the new guys who are all also highly regarded um but you know i mean dante manning is back he was he's the highest rated recruit oregon has ever signed and as a defensive back he was a five-star recruit um hasn't lived up to maybe expectations in like in terms of the immediacy of it but like i still have really high opinions of him and i think his upside remains significant enough where I'm going to start this by saying, I think he'll probably be one of two starters. Um, Triquez Bridges is back. He started three games a year ago. A guy who was not a five-star recruit was a three-star recruit, but 
has come in and moved to corner from safety. And I thought acclimated pretty well a year ago um, at times. Avante Dickerson, I think people forget he was a top 130 recruit, eighth best corner mm-hmm. in the country in the class of 21. He played a decent amount late last year and I thought was was okay. Wasn't incredible, but played pretty, pretty well at times. And then Darren Barkins is also back. Um, barely played a year ago a player with great intangibles, athletic tools, but I think kind of still remains a little bit raw. I know a player that 24-7 sports Greg Biggins was really high on during the recruiting process as someone who had high ceiling. Um, he's back. So that's only four players back. Jared's going to run through the other four because there's eight corners currently on the roster or where we think they're playing corner because as we talked about on our, our safety show, I could see a player like Triquas Bridges play some nickel. I could see maybe Dante Manning, if he doesn't win the starting job, move around a little bit. Both those players ended last year before the Alamo Bowl playing that nickel spot before they kind of had to move over because of DJ and Mikhail not playing. So four players back, all of which I think are pretty highly regarded. I still think Manning has a chance to be special. Um, but really we go into spring kind of with this whole thing up in the air. And I will say like you have eight guys here. You could probably convince me six or seven of them could end up in the two deep. And you could probably convince me three to four of them could be starters. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I think there's a lot of more uncertainty here than maybe any other spot on on the defense in terms of just like who the top guys are and what this might look like. Yeah, this is the position group that if we were to do some sort of spring preview in December, like Eric was saying, um, we would really be questioning the depth of this group. Uh, so I think Oregon has done a good job in terms of getting depth for this position group and you know getting players who can actually make an impact to the team. Um, so Oregon brings in uh, four new guys led by the two Julials, Julio Tucker and Julio Florence, both out of Lincoln High School in San Diego, California. Uh, both four-star prospects, both committed to the Ducks originally with Mario Cristobal. Julio Tucker signed at the early signing day period. Julio Florence did not. Um, uh, I think it was Greg Biggins of 24-7 Sports noted that or had an, uh, an interview with Florence saying that he was really close to signing with USC for the early signing day. Um, Oregon held off the Trojans and landed his commitment, uh, one of the bigger commitments in the class. Uh, and then Oregon also added Kamari Terrell, a high school senior out of Texas. Uh, Terrell is an all-speed guy. He's an unbelievable track runner. It seems that he's going to be running both, or he's going to be playing both track and field and football at Oregon. Um, runs a sub 47, 400, I believe it is, which is absurd. I believe it's the fifth fastest time in the country for high school sports. It's pretty good. Um, he's got a great, he's got a good size too. I think he's 6'1", 185. You can definitely add some weight to him and he could potentially turn into somebody who is an impact player down the line. Um, Lissa is a three-star prospect on 24-7 sports. And lastly, uh, Oregon brings in Christian Gonzalez, a freshman transfer out of Colorado with uh, Colorado's exodus of their of 70% of their program in the offseason. Oregon landed Christian Gonzalez, um, much in part to a new cornerback coach, Demetrius Martin. Uh, coach Meat, as the players call him. I don't think us as the media or anybody who's not on the team is allowed to call him that, but we'll do it. Um, Demetrius Martin comes over from Colorado as their cornerbacks coach replaces Rod Chance, who goes to Colorado for their cornerbacks coach, I'm pretty sure. Um, and uh, so they, so Oregon brings in those four four players, three high school prospects, one transfer. Uh, Gonzalez was, um, he played 
10 games as a freshman at Colorado, starting a cornerback, originally a safety recruit, but yeah, should provide an immediate impact, should be in line to probably start day one for the Ducks as one of the more experienced players, but it'll be a three-way battle between him, Manning, and Triclos Bridges. Oregon, as we mentioned, but we kind of tipped it around it a little bit. Uh, Michael Wright went pro, and then DJ James ended up transferring um, to Auburn. Jalen Davies has entered the transfer portal a uh, week before spring football starts. Um, going into spring ball on Thursday, um, I, I think we've kind of gotten an impression from Eric that Manning and Bridges are probably the front runners to, to win this job, right? Christian Gonzalez is, is, is here as well, transfer from Colorado and maybe one, two of those three. Yeah, I think Gonzalez it would maybe be my best bet just based on previous starting experiences, honorable mention all conference last year. But like, yeah, I think those three and I'll even I'm gonna throw in Avante Dickerson and maybe one of the Jaleels as a dark horse. Like, I really think this is, could go a lot of different directions. I'm honestly probably more excited about this than any defensive position just to see how it plays out because I think there's there's really no surefire. There's not a guy here who's like he's in Sharpie as a starter. But I think Gonzalez is probably who I'm most confident in just based on his career so far to this point. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 Jalils, the freshman Jalil Florence, Jalil Tucker. I think. We haven't talked a lot of recruiting uh, on the spring preview series. I, I think those two guys were probably some of the most important gets in the early cycle of Dan Lanning era for recruiting. Um, just for that very reason that you mentioned, Derek, they could both come in and it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they both took starter snaps at, at corner this season, which you know, maybe allows – someone like Manning to play nickel or Gonzalez, if he's better suited to play safety. I don't know. I mean, I don't think so, but he was an all honorable mention cornerback at Colorado. But I, I just look at both guys, Tucker and Florence and think they're going to play. Um, are they the primary challengers though in this position group? I, I that I, I don't know. Yeah. And I, I, I do want to just make the note that Avante Dickerson was, a superior recruit based upon recruiting rankings to both Florence and Tucker and played a decent amount last year. Again, I wasn't blown away, but that's not always a bad thing at corner. Like he didn't play a ton of first string snaps, probably didn't play hardly at all in, in like meaningful moments until the Alamo bowl. But this is a guy who was a top 120 recruit, eight best corner in the class, you know, not to, I'm not trying to diminish Florence and Tucker, but I think we do get caught up sometimes in the flavor of the moment kind of thing here and forget that like sure. Manning and Dickerson are superior recruits to Florence and Tucker. And I don't want to like totally just be like, I think these guys are surefire starters. I think they're good yeah. enough. And I love, I love Florence's athletic composition and Tucker and Florence are pretty similar, but the size and athleticism, like Florence might be a fit at nickel or yeah. something. I mean, like he's got the size to do that. I mean, we did mention that in our safety show. Like I, I but I, I do think like, this is why I'm really excited about it is I, we run through the eight guys and like, there's not a guy here aside from maybe Barkins or Terrell just because of their recruiting ranking and Barkins barely played. And I think Terrell is probably a guy who you feel like is a year or two away just because he's really athletic, but maybe needs some technical help and, and maybe we'll be proven wrong in that regard. But like I, I, the other six guys, like I, you could convince me any of them are, are starting or in the 2D. Like I wouldn't feel crazy about suggesting any of that. So um, and another thing is just going to be preferentially, what are they like from a size perspective? Stickerson is smaller. 
than these other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Manning, Gonzalez, and Bridges are all pretty big bodies at corner. Florence and Tucker are pretty – Florence in particular is a big body at corner. Um, what is the current st- – what is the new staff like there? You know, do, do they prefer bigger, more physical players? I mean, probably notable Jalen Davies, I think, was the smallest corner on the roster. He yeah. took off. Was that because he wasn't a fit or was that because of homesickness or something completely unrelated? We don't know. But, like, I don't know. Some of it's going to be interesting to see just kind of, like, what they prefer, what they like at the position because I'd assume it's probably somewhat similar to the previous staff where they were going after bigger bodies. We saw a little bit of that in this cycle, but that doesn't necessarily preclude someone like Dickerson from – from challenging. In fact, both of the corners is last season, both kind of smaller body guys. Yeah, I think they all kind of have, or at least this Oregon staff has a, a preference in terms of body type for their cornerbacks. I think it's pretty obvious from their four recruits that they're bringing in this year. Uh, Jaleel Tucker is six foot 180. That's his listed height and weight on 24 seven. And that's where I'll be getting all of this from. Uh, Jaleel Florence is 6'1 185. Kamari Terrell is 6'1 180. And then Christian Gonzalez is 6'1 193. So I think Oregon might have a type when they have cornerbacks, is somebody who's probably 6'1 six foot, six foot and 180 to 195 pounds, which is pretty good in my eyes. Um, that's basically where Dante Manning is. That's basically where Triquest Bridges is, although both those guys are upperclassmen now and they have you know more body weight and more muscle so they're going to be a little heavier but I, the the six one that six foot frame is ideal for a cornerback if they can move and they have the speed enough to cover outside wide receivers at that frame that's pretty much ideal um you know i don't want to diminish players who are you know shorter than six foot one i'm not a heightist but it, it seems like the staff is you know is going after similar types of players um, as the old staff, which again, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I think like, with those types of body types, you know, that's to me, it's an ideal cornerback. It's an ideal safety. I could see Florence adding a bunch or not a bunch of weight, but you know, 20 pounds and moving over to safety, or I could see the same thing with Tucker. Um, I think they're both good enough. I think if you watch their film, you see just the eye-popping moments that they both have on the defensive side of the ball. Tucker has some eye-popping moments on the offensive side of the ball too, which is an interesting thing. But I think he's more of a corner than anything else. Um, And then Kamari Terrell is super raw, but you can't really teach speed like that. It's ridiculous how fast this guy is. So I think he could be potentially moved to like free safety just as a straight ball hawk. It's like, hey, Kamari, go run 30 yards faster than everybody else in the field and get this ball. That wouldn't be a bad idea in my mind. But um, I think, to Eric, to your point where we kind of get lost in the stars a little bit um, in terms of who's going to be a starter, I do think that all these guys, except maybe Terrell and Barkins, have a chance to make an impact. But I think there are clearly three dudes who – should be in line for a starting position with floor, with excuse me with uh, Manning, Trico's Bridges, and Christian Gonzalez. I think those are your three options to start for the most part. Um, I could see Avante Dickerson, or I could see one of the Florent or one of the Jaleels, excuse me, making a run. But it's tough because all those the three guys that I listed as who I see fit to be starters all have real game experience. They all come in with multiple games under their belt, multiple seasons under their belt. Um, so I kind of lean towards those guys unless somebody is just so good that they don't have a chance. Something like where you know Thomas Graham or Diamador Lenore come in and really make a change at the cornerback position. But I do think Oregon's cornerbacks now 
have much more depth than they did when those two came into Oregon. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss some of the questions that we have with this position unit, as well as taking a look ahead to the spring game and just what we could potentially see play out uh, during spring football and, and the spring game in particular. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back to the podcast, talking cornerbacks here on the Ots and Audibles podcast. Um, guys, I, I think the last couple of seasons, Oregon has had a bona fide lockdown corner, whether it was Mikhail Wright this season, um, last year in 2020, I felt like they kind of had two in Mikhail Wright and Diomede Lenore. And then in 2019, they had two again, Lenore and Graham, you know, they were, they were very good. Um, DJ James transferring out of the program, I think opens up this question because he was kind of going to be the, the natural progression of, he was the number two for a couple of seasons, and now in 2022, he's going to become the guy. And then maybe after one year, go pro. Um, he left for Auburn, um, which opens the door now of who is the top cover corner on this team. Is it Christian Gonzalez, who's certainly the most accomplished of the, of the group um, from a college standpoint, but he's never taken a single snap at Oregon. Um, there will be some adjustment on the fly for him. Could it could it be a Dante Manning, like Eric said, that highest-rated player ever to sign with Oregon at the position group? Or is it an Avante Dickerson? Or is it a Triquez Bridges who, made from, who moved from safety a couple years ago? Um, that, to me, is the, the one of the questions that you have and what would really – take this unit from being one that's got a lot of options and we certainly think there's a ton of potential to one that's truly elite is, is there a second one too? Do they have more than one lockdown corner? That's a really good point, Matt. Cause I don't, this is probably the first spring we've entered in a while where it's like, who's the alpha, like who's the number one guy. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's clear because Oregon has always returned somebody. And as you said, and I mentioned earlier, like D it felt like DJ James was that progression where I think a lot of people assumed Mikhail was probably done after 21 and you thought, okay, well, DJ's kind of getting his reps to kind of develop there, and instead he'll be doing that at Auburn. Um, there is no clear number one, and as you said, like, there's no clear number two. And I think that that's sort of gets you a little nervous maybe just in terms of, like, you're going to face some really good passing offenses. I shouldn't say really good, but you're going to face some improved passing offenses because the quarterback play 
in this league has gotten better in terms of look at the transfers that have joined. Like almost across the board, if you look at like I expect Arizona is going to be better at quarterback. I think Washington State improved at quarterback. Um, I think you know obviously USC is not on the schedule. They've improved at quarterback. Utah has their guy back, and he just looked pretty darn good down the stretch for them to almost win a Rose Bowl. There are there are I mean Washington added a transfer quarterback. Uh, I don't know, and and of course they've got. Captain Heward there, who's everybody's favorite young star, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Yes. I don't know how much I want to get into that. But, like, my point is, like, I think the passing games in this conference will be a little better because last year was pretty abysmal. And you felt, more, I think, more capable of defending against that, even though at times it wasn't always pretty, because you had two pretty reliable corners. We don't really know that right now. And so, yeah, I think that's definitely a question. I think the other one for me is is – if we're going to group Gonzalez, Manning, and Bridges together as kind of the, quote, veterans of the group, even though they're all fairly inexperienced, I mean, they have a combined four starts at Oregon, um, it's who of the other five emerge as the young guys. Yeah. Um, because somebody has to. Probably two or three guys, honestly, kind of have to emerge a little bit. Um, and you, and I think you want that because maybe in the best case, we you do see a, a Bridges or a Manning, whichever one doesn't start, or maybe it's Gonzalez, those three guys, I think, all could have positional versatility where you could slide them over to nickel or safety if you need to, if you need help in that group instead of a corner. Um, or maybe they just stand pat and, and you've got three bigger body guys there. Um, but you need somebody to step up. You need a couple guys to step up. And that's where the Dickersons, the Barkins, the Florences, the Tucker, and the Torrells, like one of those guys, two of those guys, maybe three of those guys have to emerge and be someone you can rely on to play. They don't have to start necessarily. Um, but if they're one of those guys, one of those guys, actually has to be in the two deep so somebody has to improve and be ready to go because currently i think you have three guys you feel decent about from an experience perspective even though it's not a ton of experience and then you have five guys who basically haven't really played and you're going to need some of those guys to be playable going into 2022 yeah depth needs to be one of the key questions here uh they just need somebody whether it is a true freshman or whether it's another it's a second year player in the program somebody's got to step up behind those top three guys and like Eric said, they are the top three guys. Well, at least in my mind, they're the top three guys. But like, like, like you said, Eric, there's only four combined starts at Oregon, so they're experienced, but you know, not not that experienced. And I, but my main question going into the spring is, how does this Oregon defense play with cornerbacks who are inexperienced? Because mm -hmm. like Matt was saying, Oregon had quote unquote lockdown corners last year, and Michael Wright and DJ James. Did they ever play like they had lockdown corners on the wings? Because everything was soft. They didn't play like they had two cover corners on the team. They played like they had two scrubs out there, and they couldn't let they couldn't afford to let anybody go deep on them. So they gave up every six yard out route. They gave up every six yard slant. I'm sorry for triggering Oregon fans with slant because good lord, that happened all the time. Because there might not have been a lockdown corner last year. Uh, I think Michael Wright was probably not as good as everybody had anticipated going into the season. I thought DJ James played really well down the stretch, but there were certainly moments where he, you know, struggled to get off, struggled to, you know, get going. So, you know, I kind of look at is, is Oregon's defense under Dan Lanning and defensive coordinator Tosh Lupoy and Demetrius Martin, are they going to play similar in that nature where they don't have a true lockdown guy? So they're going to let everything in the flats kind of go and hope somebody makes an open field tackle. Or are they going to try and actually play press man coverage and let these guys go to work and let these guys actually, you know, cover one-on-one -on -one situations, even though they don't have a lot of experience doing it. So 
that's my question going into spring camp, just to see what the secondary defense looks like as a whole and specifically how the corners are going to react to Oregon's wide receiver group. I, I think we don't need to go too much into last season, um, but it can kind of factor into this year as well. But I, I think a reason why we didn't see Oregon go so much one-on-one lockdown was in part because when you do that, it opens up the probability. It makes it more likely that you're going to give up a big play. It's going to happen when you go one-on-one. We, we saw, right, we saw Lenore, Graham, you, know, you name it. They played terrific in, in those types of roles in 2020 and 2019 and 2018, um, but they did give up touchdowns. It, you know, it, it they did give up the big play every now and then. It, it happens just just because you're putting yourself in more positions. The difference being in 2021 was Oregon didn't have the offense to respond to the quick strike when the defense gives it up. So I, I wonder was. Part of the plan for last year in 2021, not using their corners like Jared mentioned, was because, hey, we don't trust our offense if we give up a quick score to answer right back. So we'd rather you guys have to go the whole length of the football field to score points on us and nothing over the top. Very similar to what they did at Ohio State. You know, right. the speed that the, the Buckeyes have, they never went over the top, really. They couldn't because Oregon was so concerned about not preventing it. And that's why they won the game because – Oregon could run the football, and Oregon didn't give up. They, they made Ohio State throw like 50 times or something like that um, in, in that game. Is that the style that, that we see in 2022? I don't know. I don't like it. Um, like Jared pointed out, Duck fans are probably a little triggered by it. Um, I, I, I think they have the athletes to, to be aggressive, but part of it also I think could be depend upon just how explosive is your own offense to be able to respond to a quick, a quick score. Yeah, I think that might have been more philosophical than personnel related. I could be totally off. I thought that Tim Druder did he coach he scared wasn't a little bit? What we were expecting. Well, did he coach scared a little bit with some of that? And and is part of that you mentioned the offense is part of that you just didn't have a very good pass rush all year. I mean, I think yeah. that was another part. And I know they talked about that of if you can't if you can't force the quarterback to be uncomfortable and you just let him sit back there, you can allow those deep routes to materialize. And I hated, as we said, I hated how many times it was third and five and it was just like easy quick slant to the middle of the field for nine yards I felt like that happened it feels like that happened a thousand times last year even though that's mathematically mm-hmm. possible and <laughs> like it's so like was that is that personnel fear of like we just know we can't beat the cover these guys or is that like philosophical fear of like well we don't think we can get a pass rush and and I guess maybe that is personnel related too right because if you don't think you can trust your corners to lock up a guy for six seconds then you don't let him do that. And But again, is that personnel? Is that coaching? And I, I do think, to Jared's point, what's the new staff's approach going to be in coverage? How aggressive do they want to be? Right. I mean, Diamante Lenore, and I know people want to be critical of him at times, was a really good press corner. And that's yeah. what separated him. That's what probably separated him from some of the other. And so you could put him on an island and just say, you go up to the line of scrimmage, you make contact, and you don't let that guy get anything for five yards. And they did that a lot. Last year, we didn't really see that. And I don't know if that was personal or, or if that was philosophical. The current staff, I wonder what the approach be. They have the body types, like we've yeah. talked about. These are bigger guys. Um, you know, one of the things I remember, I know we mentioned this before, I think on our safeties pod, was the, the arm length, the wingspan of these guys are like sub, you know, they're like seven feet or close in arm length. Um, that allows you to make contact at the line of scrimmage. That allows you to 
to use those levers to, to stop the receiver from creating space early until you get past five yards where it becomes defensive holding. Do they, do they rely upon that? They have the bodies to do that. Right. I mean, and that's right. gets back to your point earlier of like, they're clearly recruiting certain types of bodies. I would imagine that's with the intent of let's get into people and, and not give them that easy stuff, but we'll see because that was frankly, there are a lot of things to be frustrated about. I think defensively last year, I thought that was the most frustrating was how yes. many easy routes to the middle of the field there were in big spots where it's just like, oh, we're going to be past the sticks when we line up and the guy just basically can take three steps and step in and turn around and the ball is right there for a first step, for a first down. Yeah, and that was that was my overall point. I wasn't saying that they don't they didn't have the personnel last year. I just want to see what the philosophy is coming into this season because it was you know, it was egregious last year and all the third down and sixes they allowed. I don't remember any of the seasonal stats off the top of my head, just on how Oregon's third down efficiency was. But it seemed like in certain games, other teams, if it was a third down and six, it was like this. It didn't matter. They were getting it. And if they didn't get it on third down, they were going for it on fourth. And, you know, you look at 2020 and they actually use Michael Wright and, and Diamador Lenore and occasionally DJ James as some press coverage type of guys with, Andy Avalos is the defensive coordinator. Um, so I'm just looking for the philosophical change to see if there is one, because I, I get that Oregon's offense last year maybe wasn't able to give you a quick strike, um, but that didn't stop Utah from going down the field and getting eight to 10 yards at a sure. time. And so that was the issue is that it was too easy for opposing offenses. You saw it against Oregon State in the, in the rivalry game where Oregon gets up big and then Oregon State says, all right, we're just going to take 10 to 12 yard chunks at a time. And that was just too often. And that almost felt like to me, it could have been a personnel issue with not getting a pass rush. It could have been a personnel issue with, you know, inability to coverage and cover and man to man and press and things like that. But I just want to see if there is a defensive philosophy change going into the season. Um, I think that's where I'm at for most of these defensive positions is just, you know, how are these guys actually going to be used compared to they were last year? Um, but I think corner is going to be really interesting because of the reasons we all just outlined where there were so many moments during the season that were, you know, third down and six slants or just broken coverage assignments, uh, just really playing soft the entire game. And I get that they did do it against Ohio State because they had to with three first-round wide receivers on the team. You know, that that actually made sense. That was a good gaming philosophy. But not every team in the Pac-12 had three first-round wide receivers. Zero you'd did. Be lucky to, yeah, you'd be lucky to find one team that had a first-round wide receiver. And so that was, that was the issue that I had. It was like, who is this team trying to stop who's going to single-handedly beat them? Um, so I think I, I don't know how Tosh Lupoy is going to handle this or how Demetrius Martin is going to be teaching his cornerbacks, but that's what I'm most interested in seeing and, and if there's going to be a change and, you know, hopefully that there is. Spring game. Um, there's so much to, I think, look at this position group and, and have questions of. I don't know if there's any necessarily – major concerns are there like do we feel like there's any just like with with line with like receiver we're like boy they 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 need bodies like we are are confident maybe in their 30 starters or four or five guys but they need three or four guys at this position group at quarterback it's you know the 
is Bo Nix, the SEC, you know, quarterback going to show up, or is it going to be the Georgia State quarterback that that he got benched in? Um, you know, like there's 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 positions where there's legit concerns. I don't know how to define this with this position group. Is it are there legit concerns, or is it just hey, like there's so many guys that are talented on paper, just the odds are that three or four of them are gonna are gonna rise to the cream of the crop, and it's just who is it? Yeah, I, I think there's a concern of just like like we said earlier, is there a number one guy? But I, I probably tend to be in, in the camp that you just said at the end of like, I kind of trust the numbers here. I mean, this is a credit to the previous staff for how they've recruited and then a credit to the current staff for how they finished up the 2022 class of there are good players on this roster at corner. I mean, these are, again, I think, what, five out of eight are four or five star recruits. Um, I think three of them were top 10 at their position in high school. Um, these are good players, you know. These are good recruits mm-hmm. that are coming that are on the team. Like, there's reason to be optimistic. But the, the, the I think the only concern I have is like, is there a guy who's just going to be that lockdown guy? And then to Jared's point, philosophically, does it matter? Um, are they allowed to? And, and, and I'm pretty confident you're going to see much more aggressive defensive play calling based upon what we saw yeah. from Landing in Georgia and what Lupoy's um, kind of his reputation was at Alabama. Um, I think there's reason to anticipate they will be more aggressive, but we'll see what that looks like. And I, I think you have the personnel. I, I, I do feel confident you have the personnel to be good here. But I would say probably on the defense, if we're talking purely the number one line, and maybe this is a point for I don't know if you agree, Jared. I think this is the mo- least confident I am on the number one line in terms of like that are going to be really good there. Because you look on the defensive line, Dorless and Popo, they were all conference guys. I think we all agree that Sewell and Flo are, are really, really good, probably first or second day draft picks. And then at safety, Bennett Williams, Jamal Hill, possibly Jeffrey Bossa. Like, I feel pretty good about that. This group maybe to me is the one where I'm like, right now, and again, this is the fun part of spring. We might feel totally different in like three weeks. But right now, I'm kind of like, I don't know with the high, if they have that kind of high caliber ceiling guy we just haven't seen it yet, and that's kind of where I'm left at maybe as a concern for, for this group, although I'm optimistic based upon who's there. Yeah, I think that's a good way to approach it. Um, I would say that the edge rushers are also one of those groups where you don't yeah, know if you're going to have that high level because, you know, Swinson and, and Mace Funa are solid players. We've seen that they can produce in the past. We just haven't seen them produce at that, like, elite level where you've seen Dorless or Sewell or Flo approach. But – yeah, I think the main concern is just not having a number one guy or not a, going into camp not having a number one guy because we could come out of it and say, well, X is the best corner on this roster. They have a number one dude. But going into it, we don't know. And it could be anybody. It could be anybody of the eight. You know, It could be Darren Barkins. It could be Avante Dickerson. It could be anybody. So I think that's the number one concern right now. I think that the the depth that they've built up over the last year and a half with the old staff, with Lanning and company coming in and, and recruiting four highly caliber, high caliber recruits into this, uh, into this program is, is impressive. Um, so depth won't be an issue um, unless people start to transfer, but this could be another group that Oregon adds in the transfer portal. If there's more movement across the team, um, if there's, Somebody who's like a number two at a high-profile school who wants to come be a number one, well, then Oregon might make room for him. But that's my biggest concern is just who's going to be the number one guy 
Uh, I think that's about it for, for that group in terms of just concerns. I think they got good depth and good overall talent. It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to this show, this episode series previewing spring football from a positional standpoint. Check out Monday's episode. We're going to be taking questions going into spring football, and we'll have a couple more um, throughout the week as Oregon gets going for spring ball. Uh, check out full coverage of the cornerback position group on duckterritory.com, and uh, we'll also have full coverage of spring football. Jared and Eric will be there. Um, for the first two days of, of spring football. Um, I will return from Vegas, hopefully, uh, and won't have to be at football for a while because the men have made the NCAA tournament. But if they don't, I'll, I'll join them uh, for <laughs> uh, practice number three uh, later on in the month of March. So un- until the next episode, you've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.